I'm gonna jump! Bill! Get back in there! No! What are you doing up there? Be reasonable! I can't take this fucking job or those greasy shithead teenagers anymore! I'm gonna end it all! Wait! Hold on! We're getting help for you! Now, we know Bobby's not the killer, so who is? I don't know. Well, if the killer was in your house last night, why didn't he just kill you then? Because he's just messing with us. Don't you see? He's got us right where he wants us. We can't go to the police. He's just out there watching us and waiting for us. What are you waiting for, huh? What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? What am I waiting for? What am I waiting for? What are you waiting for? Fuck you! Lights, camera, action. Welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour Films. As you all know, I'm Ross Bacon. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike McGuigan. and Mike say hi. How's everyone doing? And as you should know by now, we're our two guys who drink and we talk about movies now. This week, we are discussing another unnecessary trilogy. Now, this one, unlike the other two that will, well, the other three total, but the other two that we'll talk about in the weeks to come, this one is one where I am fairly certain that the majority of people don't even know it's a trilogy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because that third movie was straight to like video sci-fi nothingness. And but, it came out like a decade later almost. Yeah, but it does connect. It does connect to the original movie. So yes, it is a trilogy. It's not uh, just uh it's not just a, one of those ones where they just take the title and try to squeeze a little money out of it but before we get into talking about the i know what you did last summer trilogy (laughs) yeah i really never needed to know that this was a trilogy and ross made me know so oh yeah it's it's awful it's absolutely awful but before we start talking about how mike needs therapy we got to talk about what we're drinking so mike what you got all right, so I didn't have too much time to go shopping, and I am at my mom's house for Easter, recording on Easter Sunday. Um, So I am revisiting one that I didn't give a great review last time I drank it, but we're going to see how it goes this time, and it is slightly religious-themed <laughs> to Uh-oh. an extent. So it is from Black Sheep Brewing, which is in the U.K., and it is Monty Python and the Holy Grail Amber Gold Ale tempered over burning witches. Now, of course. That's how you temper a gold ale, you know? There you go. It's a big old cane, too. Yeah. Okay, it's not as bad as I remembered. Like, it's not a great beer, I don't think. Um, it's... I remember being really cheap when I bought it. Like, I think a four-pack was, like, six bucks. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> but it's not terrible. It's okay. What's six bucks in British pounds? <laughs> <laughs> Five pounds, probably. There you go. I mean, a four-pack of tall boys for six bucks? What do you get those? What do they got over there? They got, what, Tesco or something like that? Is yeah. That their, is that their gas station over there? Yeah, no, but I picked this up from Wegmans Liquors, if I recall correctly. Nice, nice. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, okay, so here we go. Let's let's do this. We got six. Okay, so 4.83 pounds. (laughs) 
So I guess four pounds and 83 quid or whatever they say. <laughs> but um, all right. So Mike's got his Monty Python beer. It's Mike's also beer. only 3.7% alcohol. Yeah, that's because them Brits don't like to uh, really load up on the alcohol over there. All their stuff's usually fairly low and easy to drink. <laughs> Though I do appreciate the food matches is spam, 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 and spam. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like that was going to be the only option they were going to say the pairs with. But um, all right. So again, like I said last time, I'm I'm moving through a craft of six pack that my daughter and my wife picked out for me. Now, the one I have right now, the first thing I start out with. I have two local breweries, but one of which is a little farther away, but it's one we've done before. Uh, it's Duclaw from Baltimore, and it's their, I'm guessing it's the full name is Give a Shit, because it's Give a with a rainbow like colored poop emoji. And on the side, it says 45 plus in rainbow colors, and it says the guidelines recommend people 45 years and older should start regular colon cancer screenings, but if you're experiencing symptoms, you should get tested sooner. Now, this whole thing is a collaboration with the Colon Cancer Foundation, Ducal Brewing, and a third sponsor by the name of Squatty Potty. <laughs> Squatty Potty has gotten into the beer uh, the beer game with a sponsorship for a beer promoting colon cancer screenings. And it's a fruited sour ale with blueberry, black currant, vanilla bean and lactose and it let me tell you at 6.5%, it is absolutely a sour. Like it's one of those ones where you drink it and you just start having like the fire marshal bell lips start peeling back. And you get the sour tartness, and it's, it, I got to tell you, it kind of tastes like every other one of, of its kind. <laughs> but it's not really making me want to go get a colon cancer screening, you know? It's, uh, I don't know how a beer is supposed to help me do that, you know? Maybe, maybe it's just because every whatever of the beer goes to help. That's fine if it goes to help research, good for that. But I don't know if, it's, I don't know how much awareness uh, this this sour beer is raising in me. But it's not terrible. Like it's fine. But yeah, I'm not the biggest sour person. Yeah, it's it's okay. It's it's okay. I feel like they could have chosen a better like beer to try to get this awareness of. Like a sour. Like why a sour? Like why wouldn't it be a stout? You know. <laughs> like why wouldn't it give the look? <laughs> Or you could make it a prune-flavored sour to clear colons. Exactly. I mean, this thing is like a dark pink. So I guess there's that'd be the color. I don't know. If you didn't get a color cancer screening of your shit. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm talking... <laughs> they could make it with acai. Is that how you pronounce the berries? Yeah, acai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, one time my friend was like, here, try this. It's like an acai cleanse. I'm like, okay. I drank it, and um, that was the worst experience of my life, I think. <laughs> nice. Walked away 10 pounds later, though. <laughs> but anyway, so speaking of painful shit, we are talking about I Know What You Did Last Summer, the trilogy, which really does start off with its best foot forward, but that foot is still not incredible. <laughs> I'm going to disagree with you. I mean... This movie, okay. First of all, let's just say right off the bat, this one's from 1997. 
So a a little movie came out the year before that would be fairly influential in the horror realm. And it's written by the same guy. A little movie called Scream came out the previous year. Now, Scream is pretty much the reason why I know what you did last summer exists, because when that took off and, you know, ran rampant all over the world, Kevin Williamson was like the hot ticket writer in Hollywood after that. And of course, he had written this years before, apparently. And then it was like he got he wrote Scream and that took off. But then this was kind of like, okay, let's dust this off. Let's turn it into something because he was it's like it's an adaptation of a book, apparently. Now, the best thing a, a very loose adaptation of a book. Yeah, yeah. But I think the best thing that this movie series did was give us scary movie one. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's you combine Scream and I know what you did last summer and you get scary movie one. And it's the the scene with Anna Faris in that movie where she's screaming, What are you waiting what are you for? Waiting? What am I waiting for? The teacher on the roof of the school as she's screaming at just trying to kill he's trying to kill himself. <laughs> but it's when and her she, response to it after he jumps, she's like, Oops. Oops, yeah. Now, I mean, we'll get to it, but when this movie starts, because again, I haven't seen this movie probably since 1997. And when this movie starts, and it starts off with those immediate, down-tuned, amazing opening riff of Typo Negative's cover of Summer Breeze, I audibly was like, fuck, yes, yes, I forgot how amazing this song is. And then it was like, oh, wait, it's in this movie. This has to be an amazing movie, because why else would Typo nope. Negative agree to put their song in this movie? <laughs> Nope, this movie is mediocre at best. At best. I mean, the best part about it is typo negative song. <laughs> and no, I mean, well, I mean we can we'll talk about the sequel. But... I, I'm gonna be up front. Uh I still know what you did last summer is the most fun I had watching any of these movies. <laughs> yeah, it's I could see that. I could definitely see that, but yeah, I have thoughts on that movie as well. But with the original here, of course, the big gag of it is is that we have a, a fisherman with a hook killing people, which, to my knowledge, even in like the 70s and 80s when the 80s slasher craze happened, I don't think we ever got a fisherman killing anybody. <laughs> yeah, and that's weird because I feel like the hook hand story is like one that's been around forever, like the murder with the hook forehand. They even talk about that in this. Like, it turns into Urban Legend briefly. (laughs) Another movie that would come out right around this time. (laughs) Oh, and we did slightly mess up. This is actually a five-movie series. A five-movie series? Yes. Yeah? There was a a brief spinoff in between two and three where uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar and Freddie Prince Jr.'s characters start solving mysteries. Oh, <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> yeah, they go to that island again. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, they get the whole crew together. They even have that dog at one point. <laughs> but, and their stoner friend is played by um, Scream alum. Right. It's yeah. It's just a crossover between the two franchises. Yeah. But they couldn't get the rights, so they had the name of something else. <laughs> Imagine that's how Scooby Doo actually like the Scooby Doo movie came about. They that tried would be to hilarious. Make a, they tried to make a scream. I know what you did last summer crossover with an animated dog, and they're like, "Well, we can't get the rights to the horror movies we want. Let's change the dog to a Great Dane 
and then see if we can get the rights to Scooby-Doo. Yeah, let's talk to, uh, what was it, the Hanna-Barbera people yeah. <laughs> and see if they'll uh, let us do a movie. But it's, <laughs> I mean, I, I there's so much about this movie I forgot. Like, I didn't, I, I for some reason completely blocked out that the one, well, it's, it's the fisherman's son. And again, we haven't done this in a while, but if we need to say this, spoilers for these movies, we're talking about the whole damn thing. So... The fisherman's son, so Ben Willis's son, David, kills himself and goes to kill himself. But no, he does kill himself at the beginning of this movie. But you're led to believe that it's like you're you're when okay, I'm trying to think of how to put it. When when our hero Wait, I thought it was so Ben Willis's it's like his son in law, his oh, daughter's fiance. Fiance, yeah, yeah. So when who he, killed his fiance in a car crash? Right. Well, he's dressed as a fisherman, sitting on top of this like yeah. outcropping, like this like cliff or whatever. And you th- you're led to believe that later he is the one that they run down. Mm-hmm. So everyone, like the big red herring is that this guy was who they actually killed. So like he didn't he didn't kill himself. They killed him. And it's like, well, a who are we really? worried about in this situation because even if he didn't kill himself they did <laughs> so end the end goal achieved you know it's like what do we what's the problem here well there's so much with it so when they throw him in the water and he opens his eyes and like reaches out kind of i'm like well hang on you guys are worried that you killed him and you were kind of hoping you did it so once you saw he was alive were you just like too late <laughs> I guess we've already gone down this path. We have to finish him off now. <laughs> There's no stopping and taking him to the hospital at this point. We have to. We've agreed to never he talk about it again. That we, threw, we were planning on hiding his body. We we agreed as a group that we'd never talk about it. We take it to the grave. We have to kill this man now. <laughs> That's how it works. A promise is a promise, you know. <laughs> and for a penny. Right. Exactly. And. I completely forgot that Johnny Galecki was in this movie. Yes. Like, I completely forgot he was in this movie. And the funniest thing is, if you were to make this movie nowadays, mm-hmm. to look at his character, he is the most despicable one in the entire movie because he's that, like, nice guy that thinks because he's a nice guy, he has to, he gets to have his dick sucked. You know? It's like, no, <laughs> that's not how that works, dude. She clearly has a boyfriend. <laughs> clearly does not like you that way. And yet, oh, I guess you're going to wear her down, you know? <laughs> because you've been around. <laughs> Which is... <Come> <laughs> So I also his character's death was not in the original script. They did a, like they realized that the movie wasn't bloody enough, so they had him get killed. Like that was their plan. Yeah, because without him, there's only two deaths in the movie. It's only um um Sarah Michelle Geller and Ryan Philippe. That's the one. That's the guy. That's the name I couldn't remember at the end of the last episode. But um, yeah, it's only Sarah Michelle Gellar and Ryan Philippe. They're the only ones that actually die. You know, it's Johnny Galecki's the only he's the third one. Like Freddie Prinze lives, Jennifer Love Hewitt lives, the fisherman lives. You if know? you count the uh the fisherman's son-in-law, then there's four. <laughs> well, he wasn't part of like the murders, so well, no total I, body count. Yeah. So I'm not sure that's true because I think 
I, it's very convoluted in the movie because the movie. Oh, I don't it absolutely the is. They don't explain shit in this movie. <laughs> but my understanding is they, um, they thought the mom thought it was a suicide note from her son. Right. But right. So it's in um the fisherman's handwriting. So I think it's the fisherman lured him out there to kill him for killing his daughter. Yeah, probably, but I'm I'm spe- I'm specifically talking about the revenge murders, which are the well, ones that we're supposed. You can argue that to- that is the first revenge murder, revenge for killing his daughter, and then he gets hit by the car, and then starts taking revenge on them. Yes, technically speaking, that is a revenge murder, but I'm talking about the ones that people we give a shit about, Mike. <laughs> no one cares you about the guys shit about any himself. of these characters. No one cares. Well, yes, we're supposed to give a shit because there are pretty main characters. <laughs> That's why we give a shit. There's so the no characters reason. we're supposed to give a shit about because I didn't give a shit about any of them. Yeah, there's, we're not so we we're supposed to, but we don't. That's the yeah. thing. But the kid that kill he's going to kill himself. I could give a fuck about that guy. You know, kill yourself. What do I care? You, you have no <laughs> you play no role in my life. <laughs> you play no role in my movie. What do I care? <laughs> You're a red herring, the worst kind of herring. But with. And then, of course, with this, with that storyline, we also get Anne Heche, who I was like, wait, I don't remember her in this either. Holy, did I even see this movie? <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, have I only seen the parodies in Scary Movie? <laughs> did you, so I, did you know that her yelling, what are you waiting for in the street? Like a kid like won a contest and told her like that was his reward was he got to pick a part of this movie. <laughs> Come on, really? That's why it seems so unnatural then, because there's no reason for her to do it. None whatsoever. Because, A, she's in the middle of a little neighborhood when she does it, and I'm it's in the middle of the day, and I'm completely shocked that no one's, like, sitting on their front porch just like, what? Who are you talking to? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> now, what I did this whole movie was like think back to scenes from scary movie that I'm like, oh, they did it better in that. That like, is so much better, right? <laughs> like I found a boot. Where's the foot? <laughs> oh my god, we hit a boot. <laughs> Where's the foot? But even better is the um the um the the beauty pageant scene. Yeah. When the beauty pageant it's done so much better in scary movies. To hell with Ray, I won. Right. Oh the hell with it. But yeah, it's both of them. Yeah, it's it's the opening scene where it's like, yeah, that's my girlfriend. Yeah, that's my girlfriend too, man. Yeah, that's my girlfriend too. <laughs> I'll kick your ass, man. Right. It's like every guy's like, yeah, that's my girlfriend. But yeah, I mean, it, what's even funnier is that Sarah Michelle Geller's character in this, um, she, her goal is to be Become a serious actress and to go to New York and become a serious actress. And she comes back in six months. Well, the, 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 well, you did you catch what her actual like plan for her career is? I figured her she career. One. Her plan for her career is to get on Guiding Light, the soap opera. <laughs> Which good luck with that because even if she took like three years to try to build up a resume like wait tables and shit just to be able to get like some some experience to then jump on she'd still only have she'd have nine years on the show before it gets canceled so it's like okay you got nine years of a career mm-hmm. and you're on a soap opera maybe that's enough to like springboard into like I don't know movies or something it'll definitely get you other TV roles but 
I'm not entirely sure serious actress is what guiding light actors put on their resume, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure yeah. that that doesn't fall into place for them. God. Also, the, the car scene where they actually hit a hundred times better in Scary Movie again. Absolutely. Especially the line where, he, where the guy's like, oh, you know, I love when you play with my ass. I'm not playing with your ass. Ray! Damn it, Ray! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sean Williams, Sean uh, Williams's um, character yeah. is, like, always acting gay, but at the end, he's like, I'm not gay, what are you talking about? <laughs> he's like, no, you suck my dick. <laughs> <laughs> we took a romantic trip to San Francisco. I like to go shopping. <laughs> you told me that club? Yeah, they play good music. <laughs> like, but we did that. He's like, no, you suck my dick. <laughs> but... Yeah, and then, of course, there is just the general unlikability of every single character in this movie. Yeah. And the one, like, Ryan Philippe is legit unhinged in this movie. He is legit completely insane. It's almost like Cruel Intentions, like, you know, where his level of just complete psychoticness. Which, again, when he's like, he's like, say it, say it, (laughs) make the promise, say it. Right. Again, in Scary Movie, when his, like, character is, like, punching her in the face, he's like, say it, say it. Michael Monroe's kicking her ass, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and then it's, even, like, Sarah Michelle Gellar is, like, the most likable one, but even she is kind of, like, you know, a, she's a big fish in a, like, small, small pond kind of situation. Yeah. And, and Jennifer Love Hewitt starts off fine until we go we fast forward that one year and she goes off to college and becomes the worst human being anyone's ever met in their life and then freddie prince jr really just doesn't want anything to do with any of them because he's like you know what i'm a little fisherman i'm gonna be a fisherman i'm gonna do this thing because a fisherman is what this fishing town does and then he's kind of like dragged back into it and he's like you know what Fuck it. <laughs> just just fuck it. <laughs> you know? I get I'll talk about that more in the second movie, but I just I just got I was having all sorts of fun. I'm like, oh, what's Freddie Prince Jr. gonna do next? Because <laughs> he's just separated from everyone else for the entirety of the second movie. <laughs> because I think he might have like I was trying to figure out the timing. He might have been filming like she's all that or something. <laughs> like, it's really trying to figure out why the hell he is not in that movie. It's one of the biggest mysteries. <laughs> it's and then just the general storyline. It's okay, there was a major event that happened a year ago involving a murder. It was the major event of the town and everybody just kind of like, you know, the town went crazy. And then coming back exactly one year later, things start happening again. It's like, oh, um, Kevin, did did you get your scream script mixed up in this? <laughs> like, did, did you mean to make it exactly the same as that movie? And he was probably like, yeah, because the paycheck had three commas in it. You know, it's like, <laughs> that's why. You know, I was able to deposit it and move into five different tax brackets, you know, five tax brackets up, you know, but there's so much. And then, of course, there's the sexy teens that are talking about urban legends. They're just not talking about movies. It's they're so they're self-aware of their own situation, but they're not like likably self-aware like in Scream, you know? Yeah, you never get that like slight wink kind of. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, in this movie. Other than having 
the un, un other than having the unintentionally hilarious what are you waiting for scene this movie has no humor in it there's no there's nothing fun about it yeah the i'd say the best scene is probably uh sarah michelle Gellar's death like that chase through like the mannequins and stuff like that it's again it's that's one of those situations where it's like why it's kind of like um and we keep coming back to it be like i always bring it up because it's the one i can always think of it's like the assistant's death in jurassic world like why is it so drawn out (laughs) helen is dying and being chased for like a solid 20 minutes in this movie (laughs) it never ends (laughs) i i i ended up watching the dead meat podcast on these and um like the kill counts and I remember he made the joke on this scene. He's like, the fisherman is walking and Sarah Michelle Geller gets away for a bit because she is moving faster than a slow walk. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> she's and, capable of jogging. <laughs> right, yeah. She's capable of picking her feet up and down faster than him. But I was, I, and it just dawned on me that there are, no, there are four total deaths uh, involved in our current year timeline revenge plot. Not who gives a fuck land in the in the past i forgot uh helen's sister elsa gets killed oh, yes. too yeah the worst sister in the world gets killed as well and who could care you know but i also like in that scene where the fisherman like gets into his best like michael myers cosplay by pulling like the plastic over his head and just kind of standing there and like yeah. playing playing to be pretending to be a dummy for a little bit and then he attacks <laughs> It's like Michael Myers with the sheet in the first Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this movie, it's just... And then, like, the twist where he's like, yeah, when you're going to leave a guy for dead, make sure he's actually dead. I mean, that's just good advice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> make sure they're really dead, you know, if this is your plan. But then I do have a question. Because we are seeing... We are shown the this prop... A couple times, almost like as if it's going to be important. Why does Ryan Philippe or Barry, why does Barry have dog tags? I don't know. Barry's not in the military. Barry's never been in the military. Barry's plan was not to go to the military. Barry is a little rich boy who does not have military even anywhere near his family bloodline. <laughs> Yet he's got these, He's and he's said to be a rich boy college quarterback. Yet he's got like military dog tags around his neck the entire movie, and they are frequently shown. For what reason? <laughs> it's just like there had to have been some sort of backstory that was completely cut, where he was like going to go off to the military and got injured or couldn't do it or something. I don't know, but any kind of explanation that would have explained why this asshole has dog tags and we're focusing on them would have just been great. I would have enjoyed that, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, at least kill him with his own dog tags. Do something with it. Like, they are they are Chekhov like crazy. Chekhov's dog tags are hung up there, and we never get the payoff. But then the one other problem I really had was at the end in Ben Willis's ship. What? The one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the one. Well, the one of many. But the last one of the film, I guess I'll say, because it comes at the end. When we're rooting around through the ice chest in the bottom of Ben Willis's boat, the prop guy really fucked up because that doesn't look like ice at all. It looks like diamonds <laughs> and it looks like little plastic, like blocks. It does not look like it's actually got some coldness to it, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like, Oh, 
I guess the budget must have run out. You know, you you paid for Kevin Williamson's private jet. You know, his his millions and millions of dollars in gold coin that you paid him, and you just ran out of cash to make some to go to Seven Eleven and get some good ice. But yeah, and the thing is, from an outright like film standpoint, this is the best one, <laughs> and it's mediocre like Mike said at best <laughs> yeah I didn't have very much fun with this movie at all um and I love how the takeaway of the two main characters at the very end is like see we didn't kill a guy the worst we did was chop his hand off and that's the thing we are explicitly told by our main characters themselves that they're like, we didn't kill anybody. Oh my God, that's what a great weight off my mind. Like, now we can get together and be in love and all that shit. But when we fast forward to the next movie, the entirety of it, first the first part of it runs right into Jennifer Love Hewitt being like, I killed a man. I killed a man. I absolutely killed a man. It's like, no, you didn't even kill that man twice. <laughs> you know, you thought you did twice, but you didn't kill him either time. You haven't killed anybody. <laughs> For those who watched Wednesday, where they're like, like, how would it look if you had an attempted murder on your record? Horrible. Then they would know I failed. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, but that is for a few moments from now. So, Mike, how is your Monty Python beer? So, the more I drink it, the more it's like just kind of an average beer. Like, it's not doing anything too crazy. Um, it's not exactly my cup of tea, but it's fine. Nice. But the fact that it's related to Monty Python makes it worth it. Of course. It usually does uh, does help. But yeah, my uh, give a shit. Um, like I said, I'm guessing that's what it's called because it doesn't actually say or give a rainbow colored poop emoji is a much longer <laughs> name, but whatever. But Dewclaw, Squatty Potty, and the Colon Cancer Foundation. Uh, it's fine. Like it's like Mike's. It's it's easier to drink as it goes. Like it doesn't stay bitter for some reason, which is good. Not all sours should do that. But now on to the next year, the following years. I still know what you did last summer, and um, arguably the much more fun movie. It's fun in the sense that it is almost scary movie level parody of the original <laughs> again when we were talking about movies i when we were rating the uh ron tomatoes movies i'm like there is a scale from 10 to negative 10 with negative 10 being ironic enjoyment the first one of these is probably like a negative three maybe a negative two yeah it just it's i would say it's like a flat zero like it's it's not enjoyable but it's not unenjoyable you know it's just like nothingness well zero is the worst rating you can get because you can't even derive ironic enjoyment from it which yeah that's what this movie yeah that movie is you know this one is closer to a negative four or five yeah it's definitely a uh like i said it's it's definitely like a parody of itself and it was directed well the funny thing is it was directed by the guy who did judge dread and geostorm so we're not exactly the guy danny cannon we're not exactly looking at you know scorsese here or anything but it hey, starts off also directed some of csi crime scene investigation oh well <laughs> allow me to retort you know <laughs> yeah let me recant my statement your honor but no, I mean, this movie starts off with Jennifer Love Hewitt doing, like, confessional where she's like, I killed a man. And it's like, no, you didn't. I know it's a dream, 
which you're having a apparently you're hallucinating like you did at the end of the first movie but no you know you didn't kill a man like why is your brain even telling you you, you probably should have killed the man because now you should figure he's coming to kill you yeah had you killed a man you wouldn't be in this in this situation that you're in um but of course then again maybe the son would have played a bigger role in the actual revenge plot than he really does which is really he just plays travel guy uh travel agent <laughs> that's all he yeah. ends up doing to um because shocker will benson Benson, and he even points that out he's like really julie you didn't catch that like that didn't sound weird to you you know it's like yeah julie you really should have figured that one out <laughs> you know this movie is better than the first one because of the presence of one man doing his voodoo side plot oh god good old they dragged bill cobbs into this they really I, i'm dragged sorry bill for him for this. being in this movie but happy he's here because he makes i love bill cobbs <laughs> he does he does add a certain air of credibility to this which <laughs> Even, even like even the presence of Jeffrey Combs does as well because you got fucking Reanimator in there, man. You there is, there is no way for you to look at this movie and be like, hey, this is a giant pile of shit because it's a horror movie with Jeffrey Combs and Bill Cobbs. Like, no, you got two heavy hitters right there. This should be a better movie, but it is not. <laughs> but the parts that they are in are enjoyable. Yes, that is that is very much correct and. Even to the down to the point, like the, the the biggest problem is this is yet again the problem with having your first movie be derivative of another franchise is one thing, but to have your sequel be your first movie all over again, except with a couple black folks chucked in there, it's not a good sign because right off the bat, again, another exactly one year later, Julie's failing college again. She's a mega bitch to everyone again. She wants nothing to do with anyone again. The same fucking killer is back again. And it's not even like, ooh, Scooby-Doo mask pull. It's the sun. No, it's literally Ben Willis again because now the hook has been fused to his arm. Yep. And apparently he lives on an island, I guess. But it's, you throw in, the only thing they do differently than the original, aside from having the presence of non-white people, the only thing they do differently is uh, most of the kills in this are people that don't matter. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're just randos. <laughs> yeah, and they add, like, your more stereotypical, like, you have the stereotypical stoner with Jack Black in this white guy with dreads stoner which is its own category of terrible character <laughs> fair but yeah, he's even doing like a fake kind of like accent for them which he and the uh, the funny part is the the uh the black guy who's like the bellhop slash like um like boat guy i guess where he comes up he's got the big island accent man and then they walk away and i forget who walks up to him he's like oh shit man these kids he just drops the accent completely <laughs> and he's just another dude and it's like all right I, that's a good idea he's like he's putting it on to get the money you know <laughs> yeah that makes sense yeah they, again there are little things like that that make this movie a little bit more enjoyable right yeah now the, story plot whatever acting Terrible. Terrible. Yeah, the, yeah, and the general lack of Ryan Philippe can only help it, you know? 
but of course, to trade out Ryan Philippe and to trade out Sarah Michelle Geller, we have to trade in for Brandy and Mackay Pfeiffer. Now, Brandy is the type of character that was always in these movies in the 80s and in the 90s, and it was prevalent throughout all movies, basically. It was like the college roommate who somehow the main character's like best friend and somehow knows the main character inside and out, even though they've literally only known each other for a couple months. Yeah. Like they are that close with each other that they somehow know each other, like the insides and outs that are like every being at one point. Brandy basically says, uh, your PTSD ain't real. You're going out because I said so. So let's do that. We're going to, I'm going to hook you up with this Will Benson guy, whether you like it or not. Okay, let's go. And then they get to the club and Brandy actually says the words, no means yes, don't listen to her. I was like, oh, what a great A, woman. <laughs> what a great B, friend. And what a great B, just general female at all, you know? <laughs> it's like, person, way, like trash person, person through and through. Way to give her the worst advice to a college woman on a, like a single woman on a college campus, you know? How awful a person are you? <laughs> and she does it numerous times. <laughs> it's like, wow, way to have your friends back, you bitch. <laughs> So yeah, so they win a contest where the what the capital of Brazil <laughs> quote unquote win, win in big quotation marks because they don't actually get it right. And that's part of the twist. Yeah, the capital of Brazil, they say, is Rio de Janeiro, but like it's everyone Brasilia. in the world knows it is Brasilia, which I think actually translates to Brazil City. <laughs> I think that's what that means. <laughs> I know I'm not far off if I'm not off at all. But yeah, and it's it's like wow college huh okay <laughs> i see but and the reason they even get that is because of like a call like a bag of coffee like that's what it is she sees rio on a bag of coffee it's like that's gotta be it <laughs> what other yeah. cities in brazil would there be now i want to know the entire process of setting up this fake radio show thing <laughs> well that's the thing that is the most elaborate thought out part of this movie because not only is it a fake phone call, but it's a real contest that that radio station may actually have run. Because the girls, they don't seem like Brandy when she gets that phone call is not like, oh, what? Who is this? What? What are you talking about? Like she knows right away what this radio station is and what this contest is. Yeah, this is the thing that this radio station does. So, B, like, what if they? What if someone else answered right? Right. Well, B, that's the thing. There is no other contest winner that could possibly be there, like the real contest winner. C, he now sets up the entire thing with everyone involved at the hotel somehow because he gets them a room. Jeffrey Combs thinks they're the contest winners. So all of these things are set up way in advance with this little island like hotel chain. And then... The whole entire thing is just to get his dad to murder them again, which you kind of have to or like you have to orchestrate the entire hotel to basically be abandoned with their skeleton crew. So not only do you have to time it at a point where that'll happen, you have to pick like the worst time of the year for this hotel to do this on. And they're about to start their off season. They're about to start hurricane season. So why would the hotel even go along with any of this? You know, it's like, what, 
what how how does any of this work <laughs> god which again i'm like i swear monster island scooby-doo uh the first scooby-doo movie did it better with scrappy taking like having a hostile takeover of an island and taking the place of the island owner to lure <laughs> dude that would have been so much better that would have been so much better if it was like like the plot of scooby-doo that would have been amazing like the what Ben ends up murdering a hotel owner and taking his place. Right. But and that's the thing. All of the deaths, the only the deaths in the only death in this movie that is of anyone we should quote unquote care about. Jack Black. Just kidding. Well, yeah, right. Is um Mackay Pfeiffer. He's one of our main four. He's the only one we should actually care about. Brandy survives. Um, everyone else survives except for Will Benson because his own dad stabs him in the heart. But everyone else that dies in this movie is completely unnecessary to anything. <laughs> everyone else that everyone else dies. And the word the weirdest thing is they're all much bigger like names after this movie, you know? Like Jennifer Esposito, yeah. Jennifer Esposito, you know, she's she's not in in everything, but she's in enough to be Jennifer Esposito, you know? Jack yeah. Black becomes Jack fucking Black after this. <laughs> then, my favorite part of this movie, and a lot of people will probably say, like, why is that your favorite part? I'm like, I don't know. I have a weird sense of humor. And it's Ray just doing Ray things. <laughs> the Adventures of Ray, or Freddie Prince Jr. in this movie. It's an entirely different movie until he arrives on the island at the very but, very end. Uh, the one guy's death with like the hook through the neck and getting pulled out of the car, solid death. That's always a solid death, you know. And they do that a few times in this franchise. It makes yeah. sure to do it every movie, and it's always a solid. Whenever like a hook or like a knife goes through up through someone's chin, it's always a good death. Like it's always a pretty good one. With the hook, you have the benefit of being able to like pull someone up with it too, <laughs> you know. Now, how long did Freddie Prince fall down that hill? So long, so long, <laughs> and I don't, I don't want to ruin it because if you haven't seen John Wick four, I mean, it's a minor spoiler alert, but it's and you, you see it coming in the movie. John Wick four is in Paris, takes place in Paris, and he has to scale that gigantic staircase that they have, <laughs> and he falls down it like the full way at one point and it's almost like oh this is still going <laughs> it's like oh there he goes again he hit the second landing oh he's still going <laughs> it's kind of like it was with Ray. it's like oh still going <laughs> there he goes <laughs> he's still still check the watch still falling <laughs> there we go <laughs> but yep the many adventures of ray ray's just doing ray things throughout this whole movie and then eventually shows up in the end to save people <laughs> ray is on his way to the movie for most of the movie yeah <laughs> he is on his way to the film it's like it's like we're actually watching freddie prince jr try to get to set you know <laughs> it's kind of like it, i'm like this is the equivalent of like you're with your friends at a bar the movie starts with ray and then they're about to bar hop to another bar but you've been talking to this girl and she's staying there and you're like, I'll catch up with you guys. And then you got to drunkenly stumble and text and piece your way to figure out where your friends are after things don't go well with said girl. 
Right, exactly. And you end up like three bars down, like they're like three <laughs> bars ahead of where you would be. And you just feel like, oh, God, I must get there. But then when you finally get there, you realize you're far too unprepared to do anything. You know? yeah. So you just kind of hope everything plays out the way it needs to play out. I should have just Ubered home. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, I should have just. Which is what Freddie Prince Jr. should have done. <laughs> right. You should have just, yeah, turned that boat around, just going back. But. Oh, and he's doing most of this movie, I think. Is this this is the movie where he does most of it with a broken arm, I think? Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's like, oh, what are we doing, dude? What are we doing? And then the other thing about this movie, and it is a cliche that I absolutely hate in every every time it comes up. And it always happens in horror movies because especially post Scream, because you have to have the character who only wants to have sex with his girlfriend the entire time and is always, like, prevented from doing that. Most of the time in these movies, it is a black guy trying to do that. And when Mackay Pfeiffer's entire character description is guy who can't get laid, but really, really, really wants everyone to know he wants to get laid, that is one of the worst character tropes you can ever have. And when he gets killed, it's a stand up and cheer moment. It's like fucking finally, I don't have to hear about his fucking boner, you know? Yeah. Overall, this movie, there's some ironically funny points, but bad movie. It's, it's, it is, it is just bad because even in this, we get another like shoehorned in, what are you waiting for? And it's, yeah. It's even in this, it's almost like Jennifer Love Hewitt. You can see the gun to the back of her head while she does it. Like, because even she doesn't want to be doing what she's doing, but she knows she has to because we just have to repeat everything from the first movie again. So, even the jump scare at the end when we have Ben Willis hiding out underneath the bed like a fucking creep. (laughs) All right. So, we're going to do what's that Metacritic score? So, for the first movie, what do you think the Metacritic score is? Okay. I'm going to go with something utterly ridiculous, like 79. 52. Thank God. (laughs) IMDB score is 5.8. That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. All right. I still know what you did last summer. All right. So I know on Rotten Tomatoes, this is like a 7% movie. I know that much. Um, I would say this is going to be in the teens. 21. What? That's far too high. <laughs> and a 4.7 on IMDb. Yeah, that checks out. Yeah, it checks out. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, wow. It's, and even to the point where in this movie, when Will does explain, he's like, Ben, son. Mm-hmm. It's like, you, you want, I think they're expecting everyone in the audience to just scream, like, oh my God, that's what that means. And even generally, when really, that what you should be thinking is, wow, why would you pick a last name that might give it away? Right. Yeah. You might as well have just named yourself Ben Willis's son. (laughs) You know, (laughs) just make your full name what you are, you know? But it's it's also, it's like the whole switch around, Ben, or it's, uh, Ben Wilson, Will Benson. Yeah, right, exactly. I think because I was watching the films today, I think even there's a guy on the Reds, I think, named Will Benson, too. And I was like, oh, hey, look, it is. <laughs> he's had it better. He has a better life than Will Benson does. But, yeah, it's it's not good. And there, it's somehow the, the, my favorite of the three. Right, well, given the other choices, yeah. But, and the thing is, like, the kills aren't even that great. 
Like they're just kind of like they're just murders, you know. There's nothing creative about them, you know. There's yeah, the like, one like standout kill again was like the guy getting pulled out of the car with the hook. Right. Yeah, and that happens in the beginning of the movie in the yeah. in the separate Ray story. <laughs> Doesn't even the better story, yet. arguably Ray doing right. chores. Right. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's completely insane. So, all right, enough about that crap, Mike. How is your beer? All right. So again, it's. I feel like it as I drink it more. It's like it's almost on the level of like a Bud Light or something. Where I'm like, I could casually drink this. Not nothing great. I'm not going to rave about it. And its connection to Monty Python and the Holy Grail does help. So, black sheep. Yeah. All right. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. So my don't give a sh- my my actually my my give a shit. By Duclaw and Squatty Potty, it was uh, it was pretty good. I have moved on to my second one now. My second one is from across the uh, across the river in Philly, uh, brewed and bottled by Original Thirteen inside of with for the side of Original Thirteen Cider Works. It is Sir Charles Hard Cider. It is their Strawberry Valkyrie Hard Cider, which is semi sweet hard cider flavored with strawberry. It is six point five percent. It is very good. The only thing is, though, it's got this odd flavor, kind of like, um, you know, when you used to go to the dentist and they would give you like the flavored fluoride, it kind of yeah. tastes like the bubblegum version of that. And, <sighs> but it's not like, that's not what I think the whole time. Like at first I'm like, oh, bubblegum fluoride. Then it's like, oh, okay. This is just kind of like a smooth, hard side. There's no real bite to it, but it is very smooth. So I could definitely see the semi-sweet if that's what that part of that is, but it's it's good. It's really good. Um, I uh, I highly recommend their strawberry Valkyrie from Sir Charles. But so I'm laughing. I'm like Monty Python and the Holy Grail actually works extra with the Easter because I don't know if you know this, but the Easter Bunny came about in order to quell the rampage of the killer rabbit after they found the brood, the uh, litter that it had left behind that the Holy Hand Grenade did not take out. There you go. That makes sense. Yeah, I can get it. I can behind that. It's better That's than... My theory. That's my theory on the Easter Bunny, and it is dogmatic fact. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Um, I mean, I could get behind that as opposed to the Jesus took a weekend off for your sins. But... I was specifically talking about the bunny part of Easter that really (laughs) the bunny was around. He's he's, you know shitting out some chocolate eggs. That's fine. But anyways, this is for Brody, man. That guy over there is just a guy in a suit. If you listen to South Park, then uh the the Easter bunny came about because Saint Peter was a rabbit and the first pope was a rabbit. Everybody's yeah, yeah. What a weird ass episode. <laughs> That's an amazing episode. Capped off by the Pope saying the line to the American Catholic person. He's like, now, Josh, I have to put my foot down here. I killing Christ is not very Christian of us. True. <laughs> very true. Now, a movie that could have dude have uh to have killed Christ would have made it more interesting. Is I'll always know what you did last summer from, this movie. from 2006. Now straight to video, of course, because it's starring literally no one else but Evan the lottery winner from Final Destination 2. <laughs> Fuck this movie. It's terrible. It is absolutely I awful. I actively had to stop myself from calling you and 
screaming at how angry I was watching this movie. <laughs> it's terrible. It it does. It's one of those things that like it doesn't need to exist. There is no point. It did. It wasn't even. Tr- it's it's like you said. It's eight years too late for the popularity train. It is starring no one. It's only the title that it will get anybody to pay attention to it. And the it's the fisherman is the killer again. Spoiler alert! It's the zombie. Of... He's a zombie man, yeah. Which now, is the most creative part of it? I'm kind of wish they went more into it. <laughs> okay, so the zombie thing could have made sense, but hey, why is the zombie coming after this random group of kids? B. Why is this zombie in the landlocked state of Colorado? All right, where did this fisherman come from? Is he like the Gordon's fisherman? Is he just a fucking actor or something? Doing <laughs> like commercials? So they killed him and buried him on the island in the second movie. Did he? Did the zombie claw his way out of there and just like Pirates of the Caribbean walk along the bottom of the ocean until he got to the U.S. and decided to just keep hitchhike from Texas to Colorado? What the fuck is happening with this zombie? He's... He gets out of the ocean, and all he can think is, uh, there's another group of teens that accidentally killed someone. They're in Colorado. Let's go. It's like, it's almost as if he heard them talking about, like, the urban legend of it all, too. And he's like, wait, oh, hello. Someone said my name. I gotta go. <laughs> you find out that the zombie's just hitchhiking, trying to hear the urban legend of I, he's like the worst version of Candyman, you know? All you gotta do is just kind of talk about him, and he shows up and kills you. <laughs> no, no, no. But I think he has to be close enough to actually hear you talking about it. Like, I think he's just roaming the U.S., hoping to stumble upon someone that knows the legend of him. <laughs> and as a fisherman, he needs to go to the farthest points away from land, away from water, <laughs> to where a fisherman would be the most, would stand out the most. <laughs> It's yeah, it's it it because even the movie begins with a fake out. It starts off with a prank that these kids are trying to pull on it, like the state I like the Colorado State Fair or whatever, where they're like X Games buddy is going to skateboard off of a roof onto like mattresses and shit. But of course, someone moved the mattresses, like who moved the mattresses? And of course, he lands on a tractor. Like the pipe gets impaled by it, which a isn't anywhere even close to the mattresses that he was supposed to land on. So I'm pretty sure he was gonna die either way. <laughs> but then they all leave, and every of course they make the little pact. Now, of course, we have four white kids again. We we can't. We were in Colorado, so we can't have any kind of diversity here. What we yeah, what about? really should have happened is uh, Jack Black character could have been brought back because. Uh, white person with dread smoking weed in Colorado. Very present. <laughs> Every fucking where. But you got to throw in a namaste character somewhere in there. They're in Colorado. Right. But now the thing is, they make their little pact and then a year goes by. And what we are told is that the cops were always on the hunt for the real killer. They were always looking for, like, the real perpetrator of this crime. Because the kid that died was the son of the sheriff. So everyone's out looking for the real killers, and they just don't find it. And he goes on for, like, a year in the investigation and everything. But then later in the movie, 
it's revealed somehow that everyone knew it was a prank the whole time and is super pissed at these kids that went off and left and pulled this shit. But answer me this. How was no one at least questioned about it? Yeah. It's kind of like, let these kids go. And then it's like, oh, let's look for new killers. Oh, wait, they did it the whole time? Oh, kids, you know, let's just be mad at them. <laughs> no, a murder was, a manslaughter was committed. Freddie Prince Jr. in the first one, which you people love so much, mentions that exact thing being the case when they kill Ben Willis the first time with the car. He's like, this is manslaughter. We're going to jail. <laughs> that apparently is not true in Colorado. <laughs> Wait, uh, uh, it should be because they, like they're literally like in a small town like this will get fried right exactly everyone knows who these kids are just by virtue of how small the town is and since everyone apparently knew they did pull this prank what the hell happened like did who who pulled the string the chain the strings to get them off the hook because everyone apparently knew everyone and it's like wait was it a mistake that was a mystery mistake or did everyone know and they just got away with it? Like what it would be a more interesting angle if the cop ended up being the killer for that reason, <laughs> you know, so he could get his own revenge. But no, what we really get is zombified Ben Willis of thankfully not played by the original actor played by some, you know, straight to video actor. And that guy, when it's revealed that he's like a zombie man with glowing eyes and everything, I was like, oh, we should have gone with this from the beginning. And we should have gotten like kind of like a like a um, like a weekend at Bernie's two situation going on here. It should have been like voodoo brought him back to life. Somehow there was some incantation. These kids by having making their pact, they brought him back to life, you know? (laughs) And it just took him a year to walk from. Yeah, and he couldn't catch a ride because, you know, he's a rotting corpse. So he had to find a new find a way to get to Colorado from the bottom. Well, so, again, he was, like, on an island. So he had to walk across the bottom of the ocean to get there. Right. He had to do something, you know. But it's, I mean, it's, there's even, like, there's even, like, along with Helen's character, Sarah Michelle Gellar's character in the first one, there's even a really stupid, car- like, career goal by the rock chick. Yeah. She wants to be the next American Idol. It's like, wow, that'll hold up. That'll be nice and timely. <laughs> I'm sure 20 years from now, we'll still be talking about that being the career goal of all singers, you know? And yes, I know the show's still on, but I could, anyone, I just want anyone to tell me without Googling who won in the last 15 years. <laughs> get anyone, you got to name someone who's won since Simon Cowell left. I didn't even know he left. <laughs> to be honest with you, I didn't even know he left. And I feel like just, he was the only reason people even watched that show. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's no other reason. It wasn't. Big head British guy tells people how terrible they are. That's yeah, why Ramsey's popular. <laughs> I said that's how that's how most British people get famous in the United States. They just be that they are just Gordon Ramsay. And then man. And then we have talked about it numerous times on this show. There are certain movies that when you look at them, you know exactly what year they're from. And to look at this movie's costuming, this is absolutely 2006 in a, like a really terribly 
gelled and hip hugger low rise jeans nutshell. It is awful. Just the costuming is awful. You I would have much... the argument that this movie has some of the better kills. I mean, but the bar is not high. No, it's a very low bar, but I'm trying to think like I'm trying to think of one death in the movie that I actually remember. <laughs> I I I can't think of any. I honestly don't. I know people die, but I can't remember any of them. They up the gore factor in it. Because that's pretty much all the budget had to play with, you know? It's, yeah. Everything else was dirt cheap. And you know what's usually not funny? Someone, like, drinking and taking pills and wanting, like, heavily contemplating suicide. That's usually not funny. Unless it's Roger in this movie, and then it's fucking hilarious. Because <laughs> when this kid is, like, talking about, like, thinking about killing himself, you know, in his head, he thinks that he's getting an Oscar after this scene. When in reality, he just gets to walk across the street with his meal ticket and get his subway hoagie. That's all he gets to do. You know, this is bad. It's bad acting. They they have that scene and then have him immediately get, like, murdered. Like, <laughs> That's the thing. He gets his throat slit open with a circular saw. Yeah. They find a note that he was going to use if he killed himself. And the funny part is, it's like, yeah, he killed himself. Oh, everybody just knows he Roger killed himself. It's like, well, wait, wait, let's take 30 seconds and look at this crime scene here. Yes, his throat is wide open, but that seems to be a scream of pain on his face. And that's a circular saw. <laughs> Not many people go that way. <laughs> they don't usually <laughs> slash their throat with power tools, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you, <laughs> I don't know. He didn't yeah, have anything else like, on hand. I guess it's like it's a terrible movie, but come on, someone should have just been like you know a basic, basic terrible cop work in a terrible movie would still think that hey, this is suspicious at best, you know. Unless that's Which, what that note if says. the cop ended up being the killer, it would make sense because yes. then he would be purposely being a terrible cop. Right. Or even if they somehow made it like in, like, it would be funnier if they put it in the suicide note. It's like, yes, I'm killing myself and I'm doing it with a circular saw across my throat. <laughs> if I'm found in any other way, I have been murdered. <laughs> it is a suicide if you find me next to a circular saw with my jugular slit. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, we put it right there in the note, you know? It's gotta be the way. But And again, going back to South Park, all I can think of is the shop teacher when he he turns on the saw and he lays saw, down yeah. and like, and then he gets up and he's like, "What am I thinking? That would have right. hurt like hell." And would hurt like hell. Yeah. And then he goes in head first. Yeah, but yeah, it's then the only thing this movie does right is make all of the characters as unlikable as the original do. You know, it's. Mm-hmm. It just continues the trend of the of this terrible franchise. And the one thing I really don't get is that this main actress, this blonde actress, she's a cardboard standee at best, as opposed to an actual human. Why is everyone in love with her? There's no reason to enjoy this woman's presence. <laughs> she is dead behind the eyes and is much worse than anyone else in any of these franchise in any of this franchise. It's like, come on, why is she the star? Did was she literally the only one that showed up? Yeah, that's and again, that's like this one doesn't have the slightest charm that two had because they had good character actors show up. 
they had actual actors, you know. Yeah. It's and it wasn't Evan from Final Destination Two, you know, playing. Imagine the, the, first, the first guy that Death takes out in a sequel to a okay horror franchise. That's your big ticket name. The yeah. first guy that dies. Yeah, it's it's bad. I mean. Now, granted, his death's pretty awesome, but... But still, I mean, it's not like it is in Final Destination 2, you know? It's, yeah. That's an even better, like, Rube Goldberg oh, death. Oh, no, that's what I mean. Like, his death is pretty awesome in Final Destination 2. Oh, I thought you meant this. I was like, no, it's, that fucking sucks in this. What are you talking about? <laughs> but, yeah, it's... Oh, man, and then then we have that weird music video towards, like, the end where um, uh rocker chick mm-hmm. is just, like singing the worst song you've ever heard in your life and apparently it's some sort of battle of the bands as well and i i don't know the idea of getting murdered horribly like brutally with a hook or listening to 30 seconds of her music i'm actually trying to actively throw myself at ben willis's ghost in that situation (laughs) i do not want to live i want to die over and over again I, i do love how they're like you know what let's play it safe let's just all get out of town Yes, just fucking abandon ship. Where is this fisherman going to go? You know, he's going to what, chase you to me? I mean, he walked all the way from an island, so. Yeah, apparently. But, I mean, it's just. When he's revealed to be undead and only killable with his own weapon. Oh, boy. I mean, I was, in my head, I was like, why didn't we just do this from the beginning? Like, make this, like, a weird supernatural horror movie. And just get weird with it. It's straight to video. No one cares. Yeah. Just get weird with it. You know, you that's know, like, what... what the Scooby Doo episode where there's like they had the scuba diver who died and it was like the glowing scuba diver. <laughs> we make him the undead fisherman just who do something. a landlocked state. Right. A, t- a state famous for its snow and mountains, not its <laughs> boats and rivers and lakes. You know, can, can we move this like? <laughs> Massachusetts, <laughs> even like Arizona, you know, it's like at least they got lakes there, you know, <laughs> at least there's something to do. Not really known for fishing, but at least there's that. I mean, the like best place Tahoe to do murders, it, right? Well, the best place to do it would be everyone's favorite cheap record, like a uh, filming spot nowadays, which is New Orleans. Like, just do that shit in New Orleans. It makes perfect sense to have fishermen roaming around New Orleans, you know, and it's cheap as shit to film there, but of course. You know, we had to film this, even if they did film in Colorado, which I don't think they did. I think this was a Canadian backlot at best. But it's just, I mean, what There's are we doing? No no redeeming factors. <laughs> what are we doing? And to have the balls to be like in the planning stages of this, be like, what recognizable horror IP can we use to try to trick people into watching this movie? And the what they settle on is I know what you did last summer. Really? It's like I guess I guess the dimension people for Scream were very litigious. I'm guessing <laughs> very litigious. That's like, look, you get anywhere near our shit, we sue the fuck out of you. We sue you into the Stone Age. And then it was like, well, what about Urban Legends? Like, well, there've already been like three of those, so I don't think anyone's gonna care about straight to video number four. But Texas Chainsaw, there's already fifty of those. Ninety Children of the Corns couple hundred Amityville movies, you know? It's like, what else? Are we... Oh, wait, I know what you did last summer. Sure, let's do a third one of that. What can we call it? 
I don't know, fucking I'll always know what you know summer. Yeah, let's make it perpetual. Who gives a shit, you know? <laughs> but it's so crazy because this movie even ends the same way as the previous two. It ends with a Ben Willis jump scare like, oh, did he really die? It's like, well, I guess He's if your zombie. title... I was like, I guess if your title is I'll always know what you did last summer, then no, because you've introduced us to an undead monster. But still, you're straight to video. <laughs> Just end your goddamn movie. <laughs> no one cares if you're trying to set up a sequel. You can make a sequel of a straight to video movie without having it actually be related to anything, you know? They do it all the time. Yeah. But yeah, undead fisherman haunts Colorado. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I mean, and it should just be, like, a picture of the main actors, like, on the posters, picture of the main actors, like, their hands up, just kind of, like, looking confused, like, I guess. <laughs> like, I guess. <laughs> but all this, like, really, all this franchise made me want to do is just rewatch Scary Movie again. Like, that's really all it made me want to do. I didn't actually want to, like, go back and revisit the rest of the films. Like, oh, wait. Maybe this third one is that bad. Maybe it makes the other first two better. No. No, I'm just going to I'm just going to ignore them. I'm done. <laughs> so, that's been, that's pretty much it for our episode on this garbage ass trilogy. Yeah. So Mike, where can people find us on the internet? You can find us on Spotify podcast, Spotify overcast, Anchor because of Spotify podcast. Um uh, not anchor, not anchor. Spotify, <laughs> formerly anchor podcast. Formerly anchor. You also find us on social media on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Go like and subscribe, please. Yeah. Eventually, we'll put more shit on our YouTube channel. Yeah. But um, all right. So next week, the unnecessary trilogies moves on with the one that is by far the most slap in the face of the unnecessary trilogies. Like the Hobbit was unnecessary in the sense that it was a cash grab. That's all it really was. And, like, it was unnecessary in that you did not need to make a 300 page book, three movies. Right. This one unknown trilogy that was completely unnecessary to make. Yeah. This movie, the first movie did not deserve a sequel, let alone two sequels. Right. And so then Two weeks from now, when we talk about probably the most unnecessary sequels that were inevitable. But this one is the Hangover Trilogy. And the Hangover Trilogy is absolutely one fantastic movie that I have not seen in the 13 years since it came out, I think. I don't know how well it's going to hold up humor-wise, but I'm willing to bet it's still hilarious. Yeah. And the other two are complete and utter unnecessary cash grab garbage movies. And all I remember about the second one is that Mr. Chow dies and has the greatest line ever delivered where he says, yeah, but did you die? <laughs> and in the third one, John Goodman's there. <laughs> so there's at least that. There's hope. <laughs> yeah, there is at least hope. But... We won't know until next week's episode. So until that time, I have been Ross Bacon. I've been Mike McWiggin. And we'll see you guys next time. So long. <laughs>